Massive update on the biggest crypto project that hasn't even launched yet. We have the founder of the Otherverse, who's going to provide us with some inside information and give us an insight into how they're going to change the internet forever. Welcome to the Bean Pod. This is your place for all things stocks and crypto. From beginner tips to expert picks, use this as fuel for your investing journey. Because when you're in the know, your money will grow. This episode of the Beam Pod is sponsored by KyberSwap. KyberSwap is a DEX and DEX aggregator, which is built to facilitate all your DeFi needs in one single platform. Fast, cheap, and safe. User experience is KyberSwap's sole focus to make everyone's life better in DeFi. Views expressed by speakers on the Bean Pod are solely their opinions. You should not treat any opinion expressed on the Bean Pod as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a specific strategy, but only as an expression of their opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Welcome to the Bean Pod. This is Shane, aka the Jolly Green Investor. And this is Josh, the Nifty Investor. Today we have a massive update about the biggest project in crypto that hasn't even launched yet. Brian, welcome back to the show. Thanks a lot, guys. Great to be here. Lovely. So we've obviously organically discussed the other verse for what feels to be almost two years now. Yep. You know, we identified this project early. We saw that there was a Web2 component that you were building and the amount of users you had and the amount of transactions that were occurring. And it's just like when you found out that there was going to be a, a coin attached to it. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. This is a metaverse project that, in my opinion, and in your opinion, it sounds like, could ultimately change the internet forever. So Brian, maybe you could give us some of the latest developments. What's happening with the Otherverse right now? Yeah, thanks. It certainly has been a long time coming and we've gone through various stages of development. Uh, you guys got to walk through the very original alpha uh, that we did and then I think even a later alpha. And the excitement is on September 26th, we launched our, our closed beta. Um, we have thousands of people on the waiting list to come in so we are releasing the beta by groups um, and you know we're adding people um, as we go through and test uh, but things are looking really solid um, and really uh, actually uh, kind of mind-blowing so all of that work all of those years all of that investment really coming to to the fore now we're in high gear on the um, creating these uh, foundation for launching the token. So obviously we've discussed uh, uh, the token and how a token is absolutely integral to a metaverse. There's no question about what is the utility. There's no question about how people are going to end up needing the token or why. what is the use case. Token is absolutely essential. As we've discovered in our prior generations of metaverse, our classic generation where we've done billions of transactions, billions of dollars in transactions, um, and of course, this token is preparing to launch, so we can talk about that a little bit. And um, as we rapidly move through closed beta, we've got all kinds of partnerships that are coming online. So exciting activities happening in the metaverse. And of course, um, we've had two very successful rounds of FNFT sales. Um, so uh, those FNFT trunks that people are holding on to, those are going to open when we go live into production. And then all of the functional NFTs that are in there, the apartments, the um, clothing, the bling, all of that stuff also is going to come to life. So it's getting to be very exciting times here. It's been such a long road um, and I appreciate your guys' patience. I appreciate the patience of the audience, but I b believe me when you see it, you'll see why it was worth 100%. I mean, even just going back to the original trial that Josh and I had of the other verse that was maybe close to a year ago, that was already very impressive. And I can only imagine where it's at now, given your background and the way that we've seen you build products before. So I think I can 100% agree without even seeing the the current state of the other verse that it's going to be worth the wait. So I, as you mentioned, there's a, been a ton of uh, interesting developments. We're going to go through all of them throughout this interview. Let's just start with, you know, a lot of our community, they're, they're into the pre-sale for the Otherverse token. They're, they're waiting on all that news. So let's, let's just talk about, you know, the upcoming, the launch of the Otherverse token and different projects as we've covered. We cover all kinds of different projects. There's always different ways that 
companies go about launching their tokens. Sometimes it's, you know, self-launch onto decentralized exchanges. Sometimes they partner with big centralized exchanges. Sometimes they use accelerators and incubator programs. So maybe you can give us a bit of an insight into how the Otherverse is going about their launch and have you partnered with anyone to kind of help you get the word out? Of course, we didn't want to launch the token until we had the software available for people to use. We didn't want to just throw this up on a, on a decentralized exchange or something. We really wanted to have the foundation and allow, of course, we've allowed people to come in on the pre-sale, which I think is going to end up becoming a, a massive win. <clears throat> but we didn't want to rush the token to market until there was a solid understanding of what the real demand is going to be, what the real use case is going to be from the end buyers. Um, you know, this isn't a meme coin. No, no, none of that jazz going on here. So we're, we're of course, now at that point where we've got the interest of lots and lots of groups, lots of VC groups uh, to, to come in and put a floor under this thing. So we've been working now with a partner out of Singapore, which is uh, uh, affiliated with Binance and incubator for Binance and uh, OKX. They've um, done multiple very successful token launches. And this, of course, is the most exciting one that they've got. So this uh, unicorn verse group, we're now working on a really a daily basis. The teams have integrated and we're preparing. The next real phase is to tilt up our web three components on the web and on social media. So of course we've been doing some of that, but now people are gonna be able to attach their wallet. They're gonna be able to link the wallet to our website. We're gonna open up a social center on the website and then be able to reward people for interacting with our um, website and, and with the social center. This will give us on-chain activity, um, which is required for us to be able to launch on Binance. Um, so all under the direction of um, this incubator, which has done this before. And then of course, uh, we're based on their advice, we're working closely with them on, there's gonna be a couple of changes. So on the white paper, we've been, we had discussed Hedera. I don't think we're gonna end up being on Hedera now. You know, we're gonna take the advice, We I shouldn't say, but you know, there's a couple of uh, layer ones under consideration what it's really going to go on. Um, but it's all designed to maximize the value, of course, uh, of the token. So that may change. Um, the tokenomics are going to change a little bit. Uh, they really want us to work on restricting the available supply. And of course, we had planned that anyway, but they want it to be a little bit more explicit in the tokenomics so that supply will be more restricted as we grow, of course, you know, supply and demands, right? So a lot of wisdom coming out of that group um, and very excited. And I think, uh, I, so I guess the other question would be about timing. <laughs> uh, when Everyone always happen. wants to know, yeah. Everyone always wants to know when, 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 but yeah, we understand it's, right. it's been a long journey, but anything you can give us would be great, yeah. So they were originally suggesting that we launch the token um, in December, um, we pushed back a little bit saying, you know, I don't want to launch this in the holiday season um, and I don't want to necessarily launch, you know, just because we wanted to get it into 2023. So it's looking like maybe beginning of February, end of January. Um, it's not definitive yet, um, but um, now it's now it's really all about market timing. So we're going to have a couple of months where we're going to build up, get this on chain activity going so that, you know, we're visible to these big exchanges. Um, and then blow it out um, uh, early part of the year. That's really exciting, I think, for a lot of our listeners who have been following um, Shane and I for so long because, you know, they they have probably have gone into these pre-sales and their FNFTs, and it's like, all right, now I'm hearing when, now, now I'm hearing when Binance. Yeah, Binance, OKX. <laughs> like, Binance obviously is the number one crypto exchange in the world. OKX, they're no slouch. I think they're number four. Yeah. And, you know, as Brian just alluded to, it's not only the exposure – and, you know, amount of users and activity and money on these exchanges. It's the wisdom that the Otherverse and Brian is getting from their accelerator startup incubator program that has had so many successful launches in the past. They know how to do it correctly. And as we said, it's going to be worth the wait. And I think it's, yeah, that's what a, what a great partnership to hear that, that you've done there. I'm reading between the, the, the tea leaves there and I, I'm hearing December. I'm like, I wonder why, why such a smart group of people are saying to launch in December. 
What yeah. do they know that we don't? So maybe we can speak to the crypto market in a little bit. But first, I wanted to get to something that I saw on Business Wire uh, not long ago, and that is the largest metaverse platform, the Otherverse, begins taking reservations for a crowdfunding campaign. I think this is something that we should really highlight here. So maybe you could give us some insight into what this crowdfunding is all about. Absolutely. So we're very excited to be partnered here with one of the preeminent Web3 crowdfunding companies, which is Republic. Um, Republic uh, funds a lot of projects that uh, deal with tokens, deal with uh, uh, various aspects of Web3. And I've been asked, uh, you know, quite a bit what the purpose of doing a, a crowdfund, because I'm not, we're not asking for a lot of money. We're only going to accept about 1.25 million. Um, the advice of my financial backers who are maneuvering us for a NASDAQ IPO also um, next year, they were a little bit um, shocked to learn that on the cap table for the company, it was basically just me, <laughs> that I had put in all the money, I owned all the equity, other than what has been uh, given to, to staff and, and such for, you know, through stock option plans and, and whatnot. And in order to do an IPO, um, I guess they were saying you really want to have a larger cap table of a bunch of small investors um, who own some equity. And that way you've got this base where th there's already a bunch of shareholders. And, and uh, you know, I'm not really that familiar with the public markets in the sense of doing an IPO, but that made a lot of sense to me. And in any event, I love the idea of giving to community giving to people who follow the project, giving to people who really believe in the project, the opportunity to come in again at a, at a base level, however they want to do it. If it's through the token, if it's at this point now, finally through equity, um, that can happen. So the campaign on Republic is actually live, is not live yet, but it's, it's live in what they call testing the waters campaign, which means you can reserve up to $2,500 US if you're not an accredited investor. So anyone can invest between 100 and 2,500 um, until we hit the cap. And then the campaign actually goes live on the 23rd of October. Um, and at that point, um, you can actually, it, it, people can actually come in and invest. And now, so the people who are pre-registering and potentially have access to um, the $150 to 2,500, I think you mentioned as a non-accredited they would own shares of the other verse for the potential NASDAQ IPO. Am I hearing that correctly? Yes. Okay. Uh, they, they would own shares in other verse. And there's also a few other things I was on the website the other day. So they also get a few other things. Uh, there's UVI, UVIP access for one year, whitelist to the early beta access, FNFT penthouse, other tokens, uh, founder of other verse title for the different, uh, different <laughs> tiers. Is that right? Right. Right. So, of course, the way that these uh, equity crowdfund operations work is you can give bonuses and, and benefits to investors at the different tiers. So the minimum investment being $100, um, uh, we corrected that on the page. It was incorrectly listed, uh, 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 Josh, at, at $150. Um, it's actually $100. Um, and at the various tiers, you get various benefits, including, you know, founder of Otherverse title, which I think is going to carry a lot of, what do I want to say, prestige. Yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. Uh, no, it's interesting. I mean, if you've ever, if anyone has ever participated in any sort of uh, crowdfund on Kickstarter or crowdfunding.com, there's always like the little Easter eggs you get, whether it be like merch or whatever. So it's, it's interesting that, you know, it's kind of cool that you can do that because it is in the metaverse, you know, whether it's access to the early beta, which a lot of, you know, hardcore metaverse fans will appreciate, or it's the penthouse or, you know, as you said, the founder of the other title. So it's cool that you can do that. Um, by the way, you know, we're not going to really today go into the, the, the nitty gritty details about what the other verse is, because I feel like a lot of our community already knows that if you don't, if you aren't super familiar with the other verse, we will link, we didn't, we didn't, we interviewed Brian maybe a year, year and a half ago. And we kind of focused on what the other verse is, what are the features functionalities. We'll link that one just so if you aren't already aware, we're not going to go through that today, but today I, I think, you know, now that we've kind of seen where the other verse is at details about the incubator, the launch and, and the crowdfund, I think maybe we can just open this up to more of a, a broad discussion about the metaverse kind of industry as a whole. So there's a couple of things that have caught my eye and obviously Brian will have insight into this. So first of all, we had Apple 
um, announced their their vision goggles not too long ago, which was the first major piece of news I think that came from the metaverse industry in a long time. You know, obviously we had Facebook's change to Meta, which ignited the metaverse bull run a year and a half ago or whatever it was. Then things started quieting down a bit, and now you have the largest tech technology company in the world, Apple, who says, "Look, we're making a massive play into this." And then, even more recently, um, we had Facebook Meta, who Mark Zuckerberg had that interview in the metaverse um, with, I can't remember that guy's name, but um, it just showed how far metaverse technology has come in that time. So you can slowly start to see metaverse get back into the headlines. You have the biggest tech companies either investing massive amounts of money into the hardware or the software or finally showing the world the functionality and what the metaverse can do and how, and Josh alluded, can change the internet forever. So what are you seeing from your side, Brian, um, you know, as an insider in the metaverse industry, what are the murmurs, what are the rumors, and how do you see the metaverse industry right now? So it's really interesting the way that metaverse has paralleled some of these other big technology leaps that have really changed humanity and changed the way humans interact and, and operate and create these efficiencies. Um, we saw a lot of initial hype on metaverse and you know, I was warning at the time, I've been in this industry now for basically 19, almost 20 years, really. And I've seen a lot of companies fail because they don't really understand what it is that Metaverse is delivering to the end user. When I talk about efficiencies, I'm talking about um, productivity gains, um, making life easier, attending conventions virtually and having it all recorded and uh, being able to build trade show floors and booths and have your whole company attend for dollars instead of for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, concerts and entertainment where you can have millions of people attending. The production values can be absolutely uncanny um, and it can cost pennies or dollars. Um, sporting events, casinos, education, you know, so many different areas. And we see companies that um, just don't understand how to get from here to there. So I was warning about Decentraland. I think it was actually an interview that we did where I said um, I wouldn't touch um, mana or sand with a 10-foot pole. I mean, um, because you can see how they're architected in ways that, are that, that can't possibly succeed. Um, so buying land in, in those metaverses where, you know, you're speculating that the land is going to have value, but really, if you don't understand how to lay out a grid, how to keep population density, then you don't get the eyeballs. You don't, it's the equivalent of not being, you know, it's the equivalent of having a domain name that you're expecting people to type in. If that doesn't happen, you're not really getting the value. My understanding of, you know, my thinking about where Metaverse is right now is we're seeing, as you said, I, we're seeing, a, we've seen a big shakeout. I can understand people being skeptical about Metaverse because so much garbage was thrown together. We've been doing this 20 years and we're just now in closed beta of our real fourth generation product. Um, you have something like, you know, Decentraland or Sandbox come up and, and in a few months they're putting, they put something out that's not that's not really viable, it's not really extensible. On the, on the other hand, you have companies like Facebook and you have companies like, um, let's say Epic Games, who devote enormous amounts of energy and money and resource, but they don't have the experience of actually having users in Metaverse. They have users in other kinds of systems and they are very incompatible. So social media, you know, people on, on Facebook, they don't want to pop in and have a, a lame avatar doing some kind of business meeting if you don't have legs, you know, uh, they, they want to be able to be social. It, 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 you really have to have a, you really have to have a reason for people to want to be there and a demand for people to be there. And on the other hand, you know, you have a company like Epic Games that has a game and people are in there for the game. And of course they'll pop over for a concert for 15 or 20 minutes, and then they wanna go back to playing the game. So companies that are kind of coming in from the side don't understand what Metaverse is delivering. Those are the companies that are really having trouble making this work. 
And we've seen a lot of money. I mean, layoffs at both of those companies, which is great for us. Of course, we're, we're picking up some top tier talent. We have to right. reprogram them, retrain them. You know, all of the stuff that you've been doing this year was wrong. This is the actual purpose. But then we see these hugely exciting developments that you alluded to. Apple coming out with a whole new kind of way to compute, which involves a headset. Um, and... Um, you know, this interview with Zuckerberg where, you know, they're, they're showing off the photorealism capabilities, the real-time facial animation. This, of course, is technology which we can adapt, uh, adopt and, and stick into our metaverse. I think that the concept of doing an interview that way is, let's face it, it's a little bit silly. I'd rather do an interview this way than have me transliterated onto an avatar. I don't know if you saw pictures of him afterwards where he's got deep bruises and all of that like (laughs) okay i think you spent a couple of hours in a headset man um you you really could have done this on you know uh uh, google meets or something but ultimately it show it's showcasing it's promoting the future of metaverse the opportunity here for metaverse to disrupt all of uh, everything that the internet is doing that's going to become one component of metaverse Metaverse is a whole new way to interact with low barriers to entry, meaning you don't need to get on a, you don't need to book a hotel, get on a plane. You know, I can go to a football game where I'm seeing avatars on the field that are being translated from the real world people on the field. And I can be hanging out with my brother in Philadelphia, you know, my buddy in um, uh, Dubai. Uh, and we could be watching the game together. Well, you can't do that any other way. So it really brings people together. It's got, I mean, I, as we did last time, I could go on and on forever. Yeah. Um, but the prospects are brighter than ever. And we're, what we've seen recently is the shakeout of people that didn't, companies, entities that really don't understand what they're trying to produce, which, you know, is to be expected. Um, but just like the internet, you have the crash, and then you have the Amazons and the Googles that come out of that. And that's what you want to own. I agree with pretty much everything you just said there. I believe Shane and I, we were also huge advocates of staying away from the sandbox and Decentraland. For sure. Uh, be, due to the cartoony features, in addition to there just seemed like there was no future. Uh, we see what has been being built here and how long and the amount of time and effort that goes into 20 years of development and all the different patents and you know, going into a room and making sure that the motion technology doesn't make you sick and fitting every, like there's so much that goes into it that people don't really see behind the scenes. And because there has been a few failures, it's almost like people think the metaverse is dead. Well, it's only going to take a company like this to come along and prove everybody wrong. It's like, no, the metaverse isn't dead. It's just, it wasn't the right time and the right company to do it. So that also leads me into the state of maybe the NFT market that another uh, area in which people also believe, quote unquote, to be dead. Uh, you know, I know trading volumes at an all time low. Uh, there is a SEC issues its first NFC related enforcement uh, on an issue of NFTs. I know Google also had some crackdown on NFT ads for crypto gaming, but have since kind of stopped doing that and are now allowing for those ads to take place. I feel as though the NFT industry got a really bad rep for just the JPEG monkeys and all that. So I'm seeing the terminology change a little bit from the institutional players to more of a tokenized assets. So maybe right. you could highlight a little bit on just like you did on the metaverse side of things to and maybe speak to the NFT side of things because I know you do have these functional NFTs for your metaverse. So we absolutely saw this. We foresaw this a couple of years ago as the NFT market is exploding. And I would say, you know, the problem with a JPEG is you don't have the original. You've got pixels on a device. Um, So what gives artwork this inherent value, what gives these unique assets an inherent value is because they were touched by, you know, Leonardo da Vinci, Mona Lisa. Right. I mean, he painted it. You have a copy of the Mona Lisa, you know, especially you have a, a picture on your phone. That's free. I mean, um, adding a little bit of color to it, adding a little bit of pizzazz to it. That really doesn't change this inherent value. So it was pretty apparent that standard NFTs were not going to be able to hold these kind of valuations. But 
NFT as a technology is absolutely amazing. Having on-chain asset, digitized assets, I mean, you know, I will do a rant about the SEC ultimately and, and their absolute lack of any kind of coherence when it comes to these kind of markets. I mean, you know, we really need a, a, a brilliant leadership to be able to allow NFTs and, and digitized assets. And really, I would love to see digitized securities. Um, that could absolutely pull the entire global economy into into a boom again. I can go into all kinds of depth. We're going to be hosting a convention on our platform um, in 2024, which is a Web3 convention that's focused on all, all things Web3. And I'm going to give a talk at that there where I'm going to be, be going into that. But let me just short shortcut that by saying we saw this uh, as an issue we wanted to rebrand nfts so we put the f in front of it they're functional nfts the functional nfts you're able to bring into the metaverse we can authenticate your ownership on the blockchain and then they serve a purpose in metaverse the purpose of the trunks here of course is you can wear the clothes that are in it you can wear the jewelry you can you have the keys to your apartment um, and so these are digitized tokenized assets basically um, that allow you to operate in, 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 in operate them in our metaverse, but there's so much more that can happen in this kind of marketplace when we're talking about digital assets that are easily tradable, easily moved around, and easily authenticated on, on a blockchain. As the market matures, we're seeing again the same type of thing. The the I, I believe that the NFTs that have been devalued. Um, they many of them didn't serve a, a very substantial purpose but this new breed of nfts that i've really started to see emerging and particularly in conversations that i've been having now with uh, this unicornverse group uh, uh, that we talked about at the top of the show for our token um, the way that they're introducing nfts to be able to um, track user activity on um, social media and be able to reward with uh, airdrops um, based on um, how that NFT is um, enhanced from, from these activities. This type of thing becomes very useful and useful in a, in a way that you can't do it without this kind of on-chain technology. So I see a bright future for this newer kind of NFT. I see a really br bright future if I can just sort of in a different direction here for one, one second. I, you know, if the SEC wants to allow the U.S. economy absolutely to explode, uh, they need to come out with a quick rule that says you can issue NFTs, you can tokenize a security up to, let's say, a million five. Um, so if, for example, somebody has a, 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 an album, let's say, their music, they want to publish it, they want to promote it, they want to give people um, a piece of the royalties, a piece of the revenue that's generated, but they need funding for it. Look, I, I'm raising fifty thousand dollars. I'm selling these NFTs. They get fifty percent redistributed to you know a, as airdrops of any revenue that comes in through a smart contract, and bam, they're funded. They can record the album, and you would see small businesses crop up all over the place. Look, I've got a hot dog stand. I really want to put it here. I'm going to put you know. 30% of the profits back to investors in the NFT, but low level, not high risk, right? These kind of rules would be sane and they would allow, they would unlock so much capital for small businesses and entrepreneurs that it would be unbelievable green shoots. And the fact that we've got, you know, the head of the SEC here and we've got people like Elizabeth Warren who just are saying, no, horse and buggies. We don't want any development in, beyond the horse and buggy industry. It's absolutely absolutely insane and I, I really hope that we're able to move past that in the united states because we're having our lunch eaten um well we aren't we're up in canada we are too actually yeah. up in canada <laughs> but you know they're having their lunch eaten by these entities out in asia and uh, that's not going to be healthy uh, uh for those countries for sure i mean it's just you know we talk about different 
types of technology and they all seem to go through the same hype cycle and everyone always gets caught up in the same hype cycle, whether it's the metaverse bull run. And then as Brian mentioned, the massive shakeout, there was the NFT bull run, massive shakeout and everyone always proclaims those technologies dead. You know, we're kind of seeing a similar thing with AI, you know, AI with the advent of chat GPT, everyone's like, okay, this is the new greatest. It's the best thing ever put all the money into it. And now it's like, Oh, you know, Maybe it's not so good for humanity, meaning regulations, that the hype is dying off a little bit. It's going to go through the same cycle. And you go back in history, every single technology goes through the same hype, crash, boom, and then eventually the real players get out there. And it goes back to, you know, the root of all this, what Brian was alluding to, is, is the actual market itself. You know, the regulations from the SEC or the, the federal government or funding. So maybe that's a good point for us to now to segue into the state of the current economy, because at the end of the day, when it comes to investing in new technology, new businesses, getting startup funding, launching products, or people actually having liquidity to buy stocks, crypto, NFTs, or any sort of new technology, it all comes down to how is the economy doing? Do families actually have money to spend on Bitcoin or NFTs, or are they struggling to put food on the table? And, you know, Josh and I have, a, we do a lot of market update episodes on the, the bean pod. We talk about stocks, the overall sentiment in the economy regularly. Um, so I think people kind of have an idea of where we stand. And it's, it's tricky right now. It's tricky out there. There's a lot of things. Obviously, there's more global conflicts that are potentially starting right now. So why don't we get your opinion on kind of the overall state of the economy, Brian, seeing as people, people listen to us talk about this every day. Uh, but you're pretty switched on into it. So, so what do you think about what's going on in the world right now? Yeah, so I can encapsulate this pretty quickly, um, although obviously there's a, there's a lot of depth to each of these areas. But what you just hit on, which is, do people have the money to buy Bitcoin? So um, let me start there. Um, what, what we're seeing right now, you have uh, baby boomers re retiring and um, with inflation so high, and obviously we know that the inflation numbers that we're being fed are BS inflation is actually much higher than is being reported in these government statistics. We all know this because we go to the supermarket, right? We see our rent increases. Um, we see the, the cost on our credit card if you're carrying credit card debt. It's, so you have these baby boomers, they've retired, they've got um, later generations that are asking them to, to help in this crisis. Uh, you know, help with the rent, help with food. Um, this creates a drain. So I, what I'm going to start with is the stock market, the bond market, right? When you're retiring, you start to pull your pension funds, you start to liquidate assets so you've got um, money to live. This is a kind of forced selling that's rarely talked about. And then to be assisting your children and your grandchildren ac accelerates that forced selling. When it comes to assets like Bitcoin, like uh, crypto, Everybody who's listening to this podcast wishes they could stack more sats, right? We all want to stack as much as we can. But the, I, I get questioned a lot. Why isn't Bitcoin going up? You know, I've been predicting Bitcoin going up for a long time. Well, it is going up in a sense against fiat, even if you don't see it on the tape. What's really happening, of course, people are forced liquidating. And I don't mean forced liquidating because they're on margin. You're forced liquidating or you're stacking fewer sats because your rent's gone up, your food expenses have gone up, and you're making a choice of food, rent, or future prosperity. And you can't ultimately sacrifice your food and rent um, without starving or having your kids starve. So we're building up, we're coiling up on crypto, we're coiling up on Bitcoin so that when liquidity opens, um, absolutely the, these these floodgates are going to burst and the market is going to explode but what people don't don't seem to realize what a, a, a huge deficiency when i listen to economists i see uh, them talking about the unemployment rate and how you know maybe we're not in a recession because the unemployment rate is low i believe that that's completely missing the point we if you look at technology we have completely changed the paradigm in the last five years we've seen the gig economy absolutely explode. And the gig economy in a lot of ways is a zero sum economy. So if you've got, you know, a thousand Uber Eats deliveries and you've got a hundred drivers, they're each gonna get 10 deliveries on average and they're gonna make money off of 10 deliveries. If you have 200 drivers, 
they're each going to get five deliveries. You're not getting more than, you, you know, the number of deliveries doesn't increase as the number of drivers increase. But since it's gig economy, somebody loses their job and they say, well, I've, I've got to continue making ends meet. So I'm going to sign up to deliver Uber Eats. I'm going to sign up to do, to do um, Lyft. I'm going to sign up as a task rabbit. And all of a sudden, this person now went from having one job full-time that they lost to having three part-time jobs where they've taken revenue from other people who were doing those part-time jobs and they've taken their share of it. We are absolutely in a recession. The unemployment rate, if you didn't have this, this safety net of the gig economy, the unemployment rate on the tape would be eight, nine percent. Um, instead, we it doesn't move because it's structurally impossible for it to move until there's such a calamity that it's suddenly everything breaks. And again, I believe that we're seeing this coil up. We're seeing um, we're seeing these mistakes that the Fed is making by raising interest rates so much um, under the mistaken assumption that people are still easily able to find jobs when really they're cannibalizing other people's income. And that's starting to get forced sales of all risk assets. And that includes, unfortunately, Bitcoin. It includes, I mean, you know, the NFT market is really not capable of recovering until ultimately people have discretionary money to spend or we've seen that just evaporate so that's my take on the economy i think economists just completely miss what's happening with unemployment and if they actually did um and that and that's why you know i also look at the stats that come out of bls <laughs> that type of thing and you go you know they have no clue what's going on they're they're pretending that this is 20 years ago when they're doing you know seasonal adjustments it's absolute garbage it's garbage in so it's garbage out um, but we all can see what's happening in the real economy. My, I guess I shouldn't give predictions, but I will say this. When something big breaks and, you know, we've got municipality, I mean, you know, it's not the federal government can print money, um, but the states can't, the cities can't, and their interest rates on their bonds have skyrocketed. All of this pressure is going to create bankruptcies throughout the system. Banks have these mark-to-market losses that would be absolutely untenable, something's going to snap. It's going to be a country. It's going to be a state. It's going to be a city. It's going to be a, a major banking operation or shadow banking operation. When that happens, the Fed will absolutely not only pivot, but is going to need to flood the system with money. They're doing it secretly right now. And in this back door, we will take your bonds at par from banks under this uh, you know, swap operation, basically. Um, that's leading to inflation, but ultimately, and I, I'm sorry if I'm getting too far in the weeds here, but ultimately the way that I see it is we see something big break. The Fed not only needs to pivot, but needs to fill that hole with printed money. That printed money will allow people to breathe and put it into Bitcoin because they're going to see that the Fed is printing. And that's where Bitcoin, that's where these altcoins, that's where our token, absolutely all of these things are going to, you know, uncoil and, and, you know, these predictions of, you know, half a million or a million dollar Bitcoin, well, you know, uh, it starts to be not about Bitcoin anymore. It starts to be nobody's taking fiat. So, you know, um, a hundredth of, you know, a uh, hundred thousand sats is a hundred thousand sats, regardless of what that buys you in dollars, because what do dollars matter? <laughs> I tend to agree with you on that. Um, there's a, seems like there's a lot of really smart and intelligent individuals out there who have studied economics or can see you know what's actually happening behind the scenes of saying the same thing and i made a tweet the other day about you know how we're reviewing the data like like it's the 1970s it's like this is our everybody's viewing it in such an archaic manner so i totally agree with you on that it kind of sounds if i had to summarize there will be something that will break and i could see a massive sell-off because it's like holy shit something actually did break and I'm wondering if it would almost be like a V-shape to kind of like what happened in 2020, such a massive scare, such a massive uncertainty, followed by a massive injection of liquidity to kind of, like you said, make everything explode. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, doesn't, isn't that kind of them just kicking the can down the road again because infla if another massive injection of liquidity, then inflation will continue to run rampant. It just, just seems like there's no way out in this cycle. But yeah. I guess that's just... There the is no way out. Yeah, and that's, there absolutely is no way in, and that's and that's the dilemma. And that's really the Fed's problem. Exactly, and then that's when all roads tend to lead to Bitcoin when you actually do the right. research on it, and it makes a lot of sense. 
sticking to the subject a little bit, I there was another tweet that came out, and Shane and I actually did a standalone episode on uh, USDC and Circle and Coinbase. I can see from the stablecoin market cap, it, it seems as though there's a bit of a drawdown. Uh, USDT has been gaining market share and USDC has been losing market share. I see some circle into USDC integrations with some of the top projects out there. They seem to be US based like Polkadot, uh, Near, and uh, there was a few others that came out. There's a list of 12 or something, different chains. I was hoping you could shed some light onto your thoughts about you know, what you're seeing from a USDT versus USDC uh, perspective. And also just to add onto that question, it kind of goes into the whole USDC and Circle thing is the fact that Circle and Coinbase are kind of now integrated with all these Bitcoin spot ETFs that are being launched. So it all kind of seems that there's a storm brewing there. So I wonder if you, yeah, if you have any insight into that. So that's an area where I admittedly do not have a lot of understanding and knowledge of the stablecoin USDC USDT. What I do know is that this, I guess it's being called Operation Choke Point, Operation Choke Point 2. Um, that is very, very real. You cannot get a bank account in Canada if you do things with crypto. Um, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, but the banks that we've been working with, man, I get a phone call two seconds after I get a, uh, after I make a transfer from um, a, uh, an exchange into my account. So I don't do that anymore. And they refuse to send transfers to exchanges, even though the exchanges are licensed here in Canada. Um, I have an enormous problem. So, um, you know, we've shifted at Otherverse, uh, we've shifted our policy when we get paid in tokens, um, we keep those tokens. Um, you know, we may change which tokens they are. So changing from Ethereum to USDT or USDC in order to, you know, pay expenses, but moving money out of the crypto space um, into actual fiat in order to be able to pay expenses, that does not happen anymore um, because it's it's a one-way valve. Um, and of course, uh, it, the, this can only be explained by uh, believing that the banks have are, are absolutely petrified that they are going to be Napstered. Um, you know, I, I mean, the music industry had an opportunity at the very dawn of uh, seeing, you know, uh, 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 distributed um, uh, digital versions to jump on board and monetize it. And instead they fought it and the labels were obliterated and replaced by, you know, Apple um, selling songs for 99 cents um, and uh, uh, artists being able to just bypass entirely and go directly from recording to market. Um, the banks are seeing the same thing um, in the crypto space. Um, I, I believe that it's a, a obviously a fundamental mistake that they're making by not pivoting and embracing uh, because really they could be acquiring Bitcoin and they could be acquiring some of these uh, real top tier uh, layer ones um, and facilitating transactions. I mean, you know, I'm sure your audience doesn't need me to tell you how much more <laughs> efficient these stable coins are and uh, interacting with um, crypto in general is than dealing with the, <laughs> these insane banks. Um, but uh, it's a, it, I believe that this is really a critical problem. I believe that really we need new leadership, so many layers of government in order to be able to unlock the potential and allow the economy. You know, I, I said a few minutes ago, the Fed has no way out, but it's not really true. The Fed and, and the Fed working in conjunction with the, the, um, with the government and working in conjunction with a bunch of other governments has the escape valve of saying we're going to pivot to new money, um, not creating a central bank digital currency. We're going to embrace Bitcoin. We're going to embrace whether it's Ethereum or whether it's, you know, uh, whether it's just Bitcoin, embrace it and pivot over to it and then allow uh, tokenization of assets and the efficiencies that would be gained in the economy, uh, you know, immediately would bring the economy back to life back to growth and uh, that, but you know, I believe that the Fed has no way out because they, they put their foot down and they, they're not gonna admit this mistake. Uh, they, I'm sure think it's too risky. And so they will go the way of the, you know, all of these obsoleted, uh, all of these obsoleted entities, uh, you know, the horse and buggy industry and, you know, um, 
uh, and the, the record labels and yeah, it, it, it's shameful. It does seem like so many people are going to suffer. It does seem like a pipe dream to think that they're just going to say, "All right, let's adopt Bitcoin." Yeah, you know, it seems like they they're going to fight it to the very fight end. it to the very end, and then roll something out that they can control, so they can continue to do their shady shit behind the scenes. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, we've covered so many topics, so it's we've covered, you know, obviously where the other verse has been and where you're at now. And we went through the different technologies, whether it's metaverse, AI, NFTs, and and obviously the economy is in a bit of a tricky situation right now. But I think we are all, all three of us today and, and a lot of our, most of our listeners and everyone, we're all forward looking individuals. And I think when the dust does settle, these technologies will change the world for the better. Um, whether it's NFTs or blockchain or Bitcoin or metaverse or AI, it's all going to work towards this new level of the world, new level of an economy and new level of the internet and people starting new businesses and being able to become more efficient in every single way. And I think we, by, by judging by our best judgment and what you've been building, the other verse has the potential to really be at the center of this whole new wave of internet, new wave of the world, new wave of small businesses and financial transactions that can potentially live in the metaverse. So why don't we segue and end off the episode by just put your other verse community hat on and speak to everyone that's that's wondering, what does the roadmap for the other verse look like over the next six to 12 months? We touched on a few exciting things to look forward to, but what are the things that you're looking forward to? And maybe if you can drop some hints about some, some cool things to, uh, to expect <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Well, you are right. Um, you're right, Shane. There is prosperity in our, our future. It's we've got to get through this, you know, buildup of all of this ridiculous monetary policy, fiscal policy that accumulated. There needs to be this kind of reset with new technologies that break through all of that. And it's essential for humanity. I mean, people right now are starving. People right now are losing their homes. You know, you can't print food and you can't print oil and, you know, all you can do is print money. And this is leading to a lot of, I know everybody I know is feeling anxiety. They're feeling distress. Um, you know, crime is up. Um, uh, uh, violence around the world is up. And all of these things can ultimately be tied back to the cost of food. If you're starving or if you're food insecure, you're going to have anxiety and that's going to lead to harm um, globally. The metaverse Web3 is the, the way out, just like the Internet created an absolute boom. And uh, we were able to um, uh, create all kinds of wealth at so many different levels, um, uh, full employment and all of this. What we've got coming out, users of the otherverse are going to be able to start businesses. The cost of starting that business is going to be virtually zero. They're going to be able to service people worldwide. They're going to be able to earn in um, cryptocurrencies, they'll be able to save and transact in cryptocurrencies, and uh, the the businesses will range from you know from little small service industry, you know, a wedding planner, a clothing designer, uh, uh, you know, somebody who is um, making tattoos for avatars, um, all the way up to managing whole metaverses on on our platform with all kinds of leases and and all kinds of businesses and concerts and uh, conventions and education. You know, these efficiencies, when I talk about efficiencies, what I'm talking about are huge leaps in productivity. And when one person can do the job of five people, but you create employment for everybody, you, you get the wealth of five people. Um, and this kind of wealth potential um, only happens when there are real revolutions in technology. So when you say, you know, you, you see other versus being sort of at the center of this, I agree with you. There are... Um, all of these aspects of Web3, artificial intelligence, I mean, you know, the metaverse is such an amazing um, opportunity for artificial intelligence. Things like, you know, everything ranging from your shopkeeper, um, being an AI, managing your inventory with AI to, you know, having having an AI sort of on your shoulder giving you advice. You know, what should I say to this uh, lady I'm interested in flirting with? Uh, well, you know, here's what I would say, you know. Um, uh, or companions or pets or on, on the business side, creating software, um, creating um, uh, 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 analysis of how your business is running. And all of this, because it's all digital, um, is, is all low-hanging fruit. AI, um, 
all of the crypto technologies, all of the NFT technologies, and of course, metaverse, all sort of culminating and, and um, finding themselves in the same location. This is why it's taken so long, because this is an enormous project to bring up. But we know that all of these pieces need to play well together. They need to integrate together. So how does this look over the next few months, uh, the next couple of years? We've really got a development plan that goes out at three years um, for adding all of these features. But we're in closed beta until we've debugged the closed beta and we've added in um, features like the commerce system so the token um, can, can actually integrate um, the sales system so that you can um, create you can have a creator economy where you're creating elements and and other users can buy them and you're you're able to sell them easily through through the the commerce system um, the rental system for um, uh, stores for personal uh, regions then we've got uh, of course um, the the big one is going to be when we open up sovereigns so that third parties can come in use these tools that I've just described and that we built for ourselves and build their own metaverse and then customize that metaverse so that it doesn't need to look or feel at all like ours. Um, ours uses human avatars. Ours will have, you know, photorealism, but we really want people to be able to be creative. If you want to create a game, you have a point system. If you want to create, you know, um, uh, uh, a venue where, you know, uh, it's anime avatars or, you know, uh, uh, everybody is a dinosaur. Uh, however you want to do that. Um, all of these things can look, feel different, but they will all integrate the same way that the web does. And then every community is going to have access to be able to build their own metaverse and, and participate in these things. I see the closed beta running for, you know, a good four months or so. Um, and then we'll go into open beta. Uh, we've got such a huge list for the closed beta that, you know, we can um, uh, be adding people all the time. We've Got partnerships, uh, uh, you know, uh, Legacy Industry Films, for example. They're going to be premiering a bunch of movies uh, in our theater. Uh, they've got celebrities coming in and, and the, the directors and producers of these uh, films to come in and, and talk to the audience after the show. So film festivals, we've got musicians, concerts, comedians, karaoke, um, all of these features getting added in over this, you know, the course of this four months of closed beta and then hopefully open beta. Um, where we start to add in these other features for a few months um, and then uh, production release, uh, of course, sprinkled in there. We've got um, the token launch uh, and um, we've got the crowdfund and then preparing for the IPO and, of course, the IPO hopefully happening next year. Um, yeah, so it sounds like it really changed a lot of people's lives, whether it's <clears throat> giving people a place to meet up and interact in a place that they're comfortable with or starting up a, an online business for such a low cost and you know, giving them a chance to actually create some wealth for themselves to enjoy and put some food on the on their plates you're also changing people's lives from a perspective of anybody who gets in on the crowdfunding you know not financial advice but you know if if and when that gets listed uh, on the nasdaq um, listing to binance you know you're doing so many wonderful things we appreciate having you on and sharing your insight it's been a, a real treat well, it's really my pleasure because I love talking to you guys, a couple of really smart, uh, you know, knowledgeable uh, uh, folks in the space. Is yeah, the pleasure is all ours. We, we always love having you on here, Brian. I'm sure we'll have you on here again in the not-too-distant future. So I know a lot of our community, everyone's always asking about the other verse. So, look, I hope all of your questions were answered in the interview. If you have any other questions, feel free to leave them in the comments, hop into our Discord, ask us whatever you want, and we're happy to respond to that. And uh, yeah, I think, um, I mean, obviously like and subscribe for more content about what we talk about and for more updates on the other verse. And then tune into the next episode. That one is going to be a banger.